Hi, welcome to The Green Room episode four. Uh, this is our now weekly podcast where we talk about things uh, that are going on in the energy sector or energy saving news for homeowners, small businesses, that sort of thing. So I'm here with Nick, my co-host, uh, and uh, my name's James. And today, Nick, what are we talking about? So in a brief today, James, uh, we have, we're talking about uh, heating. Uh, so what are the different types of um, heating you can have that's, that uses electricity to power it? So what are the, in terms of the measures, what's good about e- each of them? Yeah. Um, then we've got a little section about what's in the news. Uh, and then finally, a, a little bit of a fun feature. Ah, for, for, a fun for feature. Yes. I, I cannot wait. <laughs> so um, so first of all, why, why would you... Going back to last week, following on a little bit, we, we now know electricity is about 15p a kilowatt hour. Gas is about 3.5p a kilowatt hour. So it's cheaper to heat your home with gas. Why would people be heating their homes with electric? So on the basis of it, basis of it, so 99.9-ish percent of people have an electrometer in a house. Mm-hmm. So everyone is going to have an electrometer in a house, near enough. Uh, but the the other gas meter... Not every house is going to be connected to the gas grid. Yeah. Some are going to be off gas grid or self-sustainable or whatever. But everyone, by and large, has got electricity. Mm-hmm. So, you know, if you've got multiple fuel sources from the mains, that's that's good because you've got some choice. But, you know, unfortunately, if electricity is the only one that you've got, then some, sometimes your, your choices are quite limited. Okay. And in certain cases, yeah, it might be that electric, electricity uh, to use to heat your and uh, not just your, so your space heating and your hot water might be only the only choice that you can really have. So just have to use electricity. So for instance, if you're in like a really high story flat, if you're on say 12, 14 floor, you just wouldn't put gas in there for health and safety reasons. So it's much easier to get an electric heater in. So, Fine. Yeah. And and I think we, we've seen loads of comments on our website, which is the Green Age, um, regarding electric heating. People tend to be pretty upset because they're limited by choice. They pay over the odds. You know, I want to heat my house. person with gas pays essentially a quarter of what I do to heat my house. Um, So what we're going to do today is go through the different ways you can heat your house, different kind of electric heating, basically. Um, And we're going to talk about which we would use if we had a choice. Mm -hmm. Um, And then uh, we'll see see how we get on. I was just going to say something quite interesting. So might just be worth mentioning. So when we got to, to about the 1970s, everyone kind of thought the electric heating would be the absolute norm that anyone would go for because mm-hmm. of the um, use of nuclear power. And in France, that's happened, right? Yes. But then um, I think, and I don't know quite the dates, but sometime in the 70s, we discovered this massive oil reserves and gas reserves off the North Sea. And so therefore, we the, the adoption of mains gas became much more mm-hmm. into, the, into the economy and so forth. Um, so, so that whole, uh, what I was going to say is storage heaters, extremely popular. Yeah. Um, and we'll go on to them because they're, they're the kind of slightly more complicated electric heating. Uh, we'll go on to that. But yeah, you can still have them. But um, essentially, you know, we thought once that, you know, electricity would be the future and, and so forth. But, you know, it's, it's quite a diverse mix. But even, even if you have an electric heater in your house, there is a high chance that a gas powered electricity power plant is powering your your electric heating so that's a a bit weird right so you've got a gas power station powering your electric heating so you might be powered by gas anyway anyway that's a small one so the most basic form is just an electric convection uh, electric convection heater and you can see this sometimes in uh, where you've got 
I don't know, just kind of like multiple dwelling units where you've got just a room, you know, you might have a plug-in heater. That would yeah. be your most basic, basic one. It's not... And so they tend to be fans. Exactly. Almost like a, a Dyson fan. I yeah, mean, you can go to you can go to Argos and, you know, pick one up for, you know... 20 quid. Exactly. Um, plug it so, in, it works. So really convenient. That's the great thing. You can plug it in, take it out, put it into another room, plug it in, nice and warm. Extremely efficient. So for one unit of power comes out one unit of useful heat. Yeah. So 100% efficient. I, I think the, and I've, you know, we've, I think everyone's used to fan heater. I think one of the biggest issues with them is, number one, if you turn them off, unless the room has warmed up, it very quickly it feels cool again. Mm-hmm. So that's kind of the big issue. Um, they are really impacted by cold drafts and that sort of thing because the air is warm. So you're stripping all that heat out with cold drafts. Then, then obviously you're cold again. Um, and obviously, it's 15 pence a kilowatt hour to run them. So, you know, an average fan heater might be one kilowatt. So for every hour it's on, it's going to cost you 15p to run. Well, they could be much bigger <clears> than that. So you can, you can, it's not unconceivable to see them at what, two and a half, three and a half kilowatts? Yeah. So um, you're looking at sort of almost 50p, 50p an hour to run, which, you know, if, if you're on a standard, that's a standard variable tariff. If you're on um, a economy seven tariff, you're running it during the day. Or you're on a prepayment tariff, although there is these new these new caps in place. But even so, you can spend a hell of a lot using these things. So I think a fan heater is used basically because it's very very flexible. It's quick, quite handy. Yep. Um, we used to have in, and we're going to move on to now oil filled heaters. So these are my dad used to make sure I had one of these whenever I was kind of renting a place, basically. And, and if everything goes wrong, you put one of these in, they warm up really slowly. But once they get warm, they throw out quite nice heat. Mm-hmm. Um, they are, again, they tend to be slightly higher rated. So if an average fan heater is like a kilowatt. They, they can heater, look like a radiator, sort of a movable. Yeah, they, do, they look like one of the kind of old-fashioned ones. And yeah. again, you can move them from room to room. Um, they are they're relatively good for granny houses and you know games rooms yeah. off off property. That's yeah, and and you kind of they have this this freeze function, which I'm sure fan heaters do as well. But this this freezing function. So if a room gets too cold, this heater then comes on. As I say, very very slowly, it warms up and warms up the room, stops the room freezing. So they're not something you would use just to throw a bit of heat into a room quickly because they do take a long time to warm up. Um, they tend to be rated much higher in terms of the wattage. So you're going to be spending like 30p an hour to run them. So it's not one that we'd suggest normally. Um, so then we go to storage heaters. What about halogen? We're we going to come back to that? Well, let's come back to that. Come back to that, okay. So storage heaters. Right, storage heaters you mentioned. So we basically, why were storage heaters introduced? So when you've got power sources like nuclear power, it's extremely difficult. They have a core, a nuclear core. Yeah. Um, that gets extremely hot, and it just generally stays on for decades without coming. I mean, off. they turn them off a little bit for maintenance and stuff. That sort of stuff. But it's um, <laughs> they use incredible amount of water just to kind of cool them down. So normally, what they would do is the the the, the cores would stay on, and then electricity would be generated twenty four seven from a nuclear power station. Mm-hmm. Now the problem is. We do, we do most of the activities during the day. So in at night, when we don't use the energy, essentially all that electricity is being produced and it's going nowhere because yeah. in those days, and certainly you know even to some extent now, we can't um, effectively store it. Mm-hmm. So 
Yes, essentially the, the idea was that we, we invented storage heaters where within the heater itself you can see it. It used to be this very bulky thing that, that used to sit on the wall. They're massive, aren't they? Yeah. I mean, they're, they're, the new one's less big, but when we've gone into properties and seen them, yes, they're big, they're ugly. Clunky things, but they did sit, serve a purpose in the sense that they'd have, um, um, they'd have materials within the heater itself. So when the electricity was cheap, because on, on, on the Economy 7... At night, when you are on economy, on economy seven for those seven, nine, or ten hours, depending on which tariff you've got, um, the, the the storage is charging. So it's taking the cheaper electricity, yeah. storing that energy in, and then when you need it throughout the day, it's slowly releasing it. So that's the concept. So, so the energy company have basically artificially created a market. So they want to use the electricity at night. So they're like, okay, we can't charge as much as we would during the day. So we'll give you that cheap. But which on essentially the flip is an extremely side, clever idea. So it is clever. this whole thing was a. And on, on the flip side, they charge you more for your electricity during the day. So instead of sort of your 15p, it might be up at 18, 19p. Um, so they they are clever. I think the one of the biggest issues we're facing is that the nuclear power plants in the UK are due to be closed down in the relatively near future. I think if they all get closed down when they are specifically due to be closed, then we are in all sorts of trouble because the government are yet to start replacing that capacity with anything. So uh, I think nuclear power will be about for a long time and there are plans afoot to build new nuclear power plants, although I don't think any space have gone in the ground yet. Mm, um, but I feel that, so while it used to be nuclear, we now have things like wind power, right? So wind power is intermittent. Um, it tends to be windier yeah. during the evenings though and at night. Um, and so this electricity is now being produced via a different mechanism, so wind power rather than nuclear, but we still need a mechanism to use that, right? And so things like storage heaters, while I thought they were going to sort of fall away, you know, last year we produced 30% of our electricity from wind power. Um, so, God, I might need to fact check that. But we uh, we produce so much electricity from wind power, we, uh, we need a mechanism to use that electricity. So this is, this is a great way of doing it. Things like storage heaters... You provided know. you can you can tell it to charge up when the wind is blowing well yes absolutely but there's but if there's wind in the in the grid I don't know if there's because you're assuming at night normally it's windier yes so, exactly yeah. exactly now the one of the big problems with the old storage heaters was they, they released the heat too how do you say it's too intense if you're standing by yeah. the heater it's so hot but then if you're on the other side of the room it's not very pleasant because the heat doesn't kind of but because they leak, right? So they, so you were talking earlier about how they charge. Well, it's essentially it's a lump of bricks. And they and weren't they, fan assisted in the or they were. There's very little fan assistance in the early days. But they they have this, this sort of insulated area around the the bricks, and the problem was if that leaks, it lets the heat out, which is kind of how they work. Because in theory, you charge it during the night, and it's these bricks are nice and warm, and then in the evening, you know that covering disappears, and so the heat escapes. Mm-hmm. Problem with the old ones is the heat escaped during the day. You'd come back in the evening, try and turn it on, press on, and it wouldn't release any heat because there was no heat left. So you'd have to press the boost button, which then turns it into a fan fan heater. But you're paying more for the electricity at that time, so they become really expensive to run. It's not the economy seven or economy nine or economy ten charging hours. New storage heaters, price wise. So it's Dimplex, isn't it? Dimplex, the quantum ones. Mm-hmm. Those are top of the range, I'd say. So and they're probably the best ones you can Well, you went down to Dimplex, didn't yes. you? Yes. Well, it's a good place. 
Good place. Yeah, then, you, you learn quite. Yeah, it's um, worth it. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. All right. And how much are you paying for a new storage unit? <laughs> well, for for one of those, for the uh, quantum ones, uh, just because they are made with, um, un- well, is what they say is un- unbelievably new technology. They, I think, they sort of start to retail around five, six hundred pounds. But you can actually get a modern slimline fan-assisted storage heater for a fraction of that price. But it if won't... you don't go with the brand, if you don't go with the brand, um, and it's probably the Quantum E is probably the the top of the range. But you know, it will cost you, yeah, it will cost you quite a bit to kind of switch switch all your, you know, particularly if you've got a big house and it's all on electric. Then you know, so okay, outlay to, to with the install cost to get them all swapped over. But the, but the good thing is, so if. If, for example, you have an old flat and it's got three or four of these storage heaters in them, mm-hmm. yeah, to replace that, you might be looking in excess of £2,000 to replace them with new storage heaters. Once they are in, yeah, to run them, because you are taking advantage of this cheap electricity in the evening, yeah. you're getting, basically, you're, it's costing you half as much to run them. Yeah, so if I get my cheap electricity at night and it's 7p-ish for mm-hmm. electricity, which is very unusual... I'm therefore, if it's a two kilowatt system, you know, I'm, I'm in theory only paying one kilowatt because I'm paying half price. So is that a bit confusing? Mm. A little bit? Not to me, but anyway. Fine. I did basically, to run a storage heater during the day, because you're using you're using electricity that's half the price, mm-hmm. yeah, because of this economy seven tariff, it is therefore half the price to run the fan heater. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so if you're running it for an hour, you might only be paying seven and a half p if it was a one kilowatt, which is a very small storage heater. Um, basically, half the price of a normal. Yeah, heater. but if it's not efficient, then there's no point. So you need to look at other other options. Which and will... and I think the the key there is if it's so if you move from storage heaters to a different type of electric heating, get rid of economy seven. Yeah, because economy seven is the only one that is going to work well with storage heaters just because the because, way they charge and release yeah. the heat because the high tariff the non-economy 7 tariff penalises you essentially for using it during peak hours yeah so the ones we talked about at the moment on the whole we're using um, convection heating right so we can go on now to so there's infrared heating which uses infrared mm-hmm. um, and uh, the halogen heaters as well which essentially yeah essentially um, similar technology the halogen ones are near infrared that's why you can when you actually go on train stations and stuff you can see them glow yeah so like in a pub and it's got the umbrella and underneath that you've got the full um, glowing things whereas the the infrared panels or the fire infrared uh, as it was a technology basically came from Germany and Austria and uh, th- these things come like panels like picture frames like that so uh, quite that's good. not one by the way <laughs> we, we could probably show show one because we've got, got a few in, in the office and stuff um, yeah essentially they, they, they can be quite aesthetically pleasing but they emit a very gentle heat and um, for, for every input of electricity coming in near enough is one kind of input of useful heat coming out but the way you feel that heat is a little bit like you know if you were walking on a cold day on a on a sunny day mm-hmm. and you're going to the direction of the sun, your surface of your skin will feel warm because your the sun gives off infrared heat and then your your any solid object absorbs it. Yeah. So the surface of it will feel quite pleasant, mm-hmm. but actually the air the volume of, of the air is quite cold. Yeah. Um, hence why you feel cold, but at that moment you you feel quite warm. So the the the, the, the uh, infrared heaters. Uh, heat the surface areas directly so us uh, and, and the idea is that if you can store enough of it 
that's when you kind of get the secondary benefit of heating, getting the thermal mass up to speed. Mm-hmm. Um, so, and because a lot of these infrared heaters, they're um, in terms of their rating, uh, they are lower for wattage. It can be a more efficient way of um, of heating a room. They're, they're quite good in, in terms of, say, if you've got a home office, um, yeah. you can put those things in and you know, you know uh, you're going to be there all day, et cetera, et cetera. Yeah. That will pleasantly heat, mm-hmm. heat up the solid objects around you. And then when it reaches thermal mass, it'll be quite a pleasant way because it's kind of captured within all the walls, et cetera. Yeah. And I, th- I think the, the, the difference between a storage heater and an infrared heater, so an infrared heater is permanent, I'd say. I mean, you can get feet for them and that sort of thing, but on the whole... You're you can put them on ceilings them in, because, put them on ceilings because they're lightweight. The heating. But as you say, you can get mirrors, you can get chalkboards, you can get your portrait put on it, you can do whatever you want. So they're quite aesthetically pleasing. Mm-hmm. Um, Cost-wise, I mean, how long is a piece of string, right? They they can be anything. It's, it's difficult brands. because it's slightly your... Because it's, it's heating in a different form, so you're comparing convection and infrared. Um, so, but, I mean, if you speak to the manufacturers of infrared heaters they they do claim it's a kind of more efficient way of of heating but you know it's it's, it's a bit of a tricky we, one too we have it so we it's we're still in midwinter and we have an office here which occasionally gets very very cold i'm told um and we have an infrared heater in our in our sort of foyer bit and despite being open to the elements all the time when that thing is on you feel it now. That is near infrared. That's medium infrared, which is, is kind of like a, it's glowing. So therefore, yes, it makes it's, it near. it's a medium. Medium waves can still can glow. still glow. Yeah. Okay. So it's not a kind of a full uh, near infrared one. It's, yeah. it's a medium one. And do, do, so the infrared panels themselves, the far, far infrared, infrared, they don't glow. Then they get to about eighty-five degrees ish. Ninety. Ninety degrees, um, and that's thank you. That's uh, that's when the infrared is emitted. They, so if you touch the surface, it will feel quite hot. It'll be like hot. Yeah, be like a radiator. I think the the thing is then they're controllable in that they're either on or off. You can't turn down infrared temperature because otherwise it won't produce infrared, if that makes sense. So to regulate the temperature, you're waiting for you know walls and air temperatures rise. You're waiting for the walls to get warm, throw that temperature back into the throw that heat back into the room. And so your thermostat setting is about three degrees lower than you typically set with a convection heater. But the useful so, thing I was going to say, so when thermal mass is reached, so i.e. you get the air temperature mm-hmm. because you know the, all the surrounding objects are, are quite warm and they've emitted heat back into, yeah. into the room. You can so say if you open the door and cold air comes in and you close that door, normally on a convection heater, say the fan heater, that heat would escape extremely quickly and yes. feel quite comfortable with yes. infrared because you've stored it in the room you wouldn't see that as much and that's why it's one of the benefits but um, and then the other thing is so if i came and stood behind you now and the infrared is firing at you hitting you you would shadow me in terms of the heat i wouldn't get the heat benefit that's the limitation yeah. that's the limitation so you can get cold spots um and i think the other limitation is they are just more expensive than a fan heater yeah i mean they are considerably more expensive or at least they can be if I want a mirror that's throwing out heat, I can spend a thousand pounds pretty comfortably on heater, which is a lot of money. So, in terms of how they work, so a one kilowatt heater would cost us fifteen p an hour to run if it was on full time. And um, the theory is because it's infrared, you don't need it on as long, um, and so you get the benefits there. Basically, we're not waiting for the warm for the air to warm up to feel the heat benefit. 
we should be feeling it within a few minutes of turning it on. Mm-hmm. And then when we get to temperature, we can turn it off much quicker. So that's where you're getting your energy savings. Right, more uh, electric heating types. So these types are now typically, well, not typically, you are not going to put a ground source heat pump in, in a sort of 12-storey block of flats. Um, but these are extremely expensive to buy. Mm-hmm. Air source heat pumps, ground source heat pumps. The government consider them kind of renewable technologies. Um, they are so an air source heat pump typically you're looking at about 10k to install. Ground source heat pump can be over 20k pretty comfortably. Um, so these are serious, serious bits and of kit. It depends as well because they work on lower emission temperatures. You might need you you need more volume basically for that heat to to be let into the rooms. So and normally what people do is. On the ground floor, for instance, kitchen and stuff, if they get a heat pump, uh, they, they would install underfloor heating, yeah. for instance, because it's um, it's not that it's more efficient, it's just a better way to deliver something that's... You need, you need more surface area getting out here. Yeah, exactly. So you need bigger radiators. Bigger radiators, that sort of thing. And insulation. So you wouldn't do it to a period property mm-hmm. uh, because period properties tend to leak. Yeah. Uh, so they, you need to get um, something with, with good U-values, so lots of insulation in the walls. So d- new windows. build works perfectly. Or, or retrofit, but you, where you're looking at the whole envelope. So you've got to so do the... Loft, floors, yeah. etc. Which we will talk about at some other point. That we're going to talk about It's our favourite subject. <laughs> um, so, but the heat pumps work. So with a ground source heat pump, you are basically taking latent warmth from... So you're taking heat from the ground. Um, and this is why the efficiency doesn't really change during the whole year because way um, about uh, you know as soon as you're a meter or so beneath the ground, the ground temperature stays pretty constant throughout the year. So even in the winter, they are as efficient as they are in the summer essentially. And we're talking about minute thermal gradients here. So you know my sister had a ground source heat pump put in, and the, they put these boreholes in, which are massive holes in the ground, and it was like this drilling she, bit of... Did she get the underfloor heating as well? She had underfloor heating. She, okay. she was doing the whole house retrofit yeah. thing you're talking about. But they drilled holes 120 yeah, metres deep. That, the which is, I mean, it's a serious, impressive... It was like Armageddon in the back garden. It so impressive. it'd be extremely difficult to do it in central London, say. Yes, how, of course, how, how would you where get you might get a tube or all sorts yeah, exactly. of stuff. Um, and I, I imagine you have to get... Serious planning to be able to put things in. The other thing I see is people complain about the so air source heat pumps because it's a fan. Yeah, Um, we get loads of comments. They're noisy, aren't they? Noise, yeah. Yeah, I think the the other thing about the air source heat pumps is that during the winter. So I was talking about these tiny temperature gradients. So ground source heat pump, it can less than a degree. You know, you ping the water down at fifteen degrees, it might come up at sixteen, but it might not even be that much. And you then compress it, and you take that that kind of the heat gets driven up really quickly mm-hmm. and then that's what we're using so in an air source heat pump you're taking the heat in the air and you do have heat in the air right down to minus 273 i can't remember the chemistry absolute zero is that absolute zero 273 something like that something like that yeah anyway you um so you take the, the heat out of the air and you compress it to drive the heat up now in the winter you know, if you try and take heat from the air if it's zero degrees basically the less warm molecules that you have in the air it's it's you get a lot less heat out of the yeah. surrounding environment. So if it's twenty seven degrees, it's very easy to get something up to sixty degrees. So I take those that decent heat, compress it, don't need very much electricity. So they run really efficiently in the summer. The not issue <laughs> is that most of us will heat our homes in the winter. 
apart from my dad. Not everyone. Yeah. Apart from my dad. Um, and the uh, and there, you know, you, your efficiency is going right, right down. So um, just be careful when you get an air source heat pump. I would, I would be, uh, unless it's a very, very well insulated house, unless you have solar panels, I'd probably look away from air source heat pumps. We are now going to get loads of complaints from air source heat pump companies. Mm. But I don't think they're actually that noisy. I've, I've no, I don't think they're that noisy. I just think the efficiency isn't great. Mm. So when I want to run it in February, you know, it's expensive to run. But it's, but you can still you can you can you can still uh, the limitation of the ground source heat pumps is uh, in terms of space. the space and being able to install it. Whereas actually air source heat pumps, you can pretty much install it in most yeah true most places. I think the the other thing wor- worth mentioning about the heat pumps is they are both um, you can get the renewable heat incentive for both. So as I said, the government consider these renewable heating forms. So the government will pay you for seven years, basically for every unit of hot water or heating you've produced. Um, which which the idea is the the renewable heat incentive is designed to pay back the install costs over the seven years, pretty much. So if you're going to do it, obviously you have to drop the outlay, which is expensive, but you do get that money back. And in terms of electricity for a ground source heat pump, one unit of useful one unit of electricity can produce five units of useful heat. So they're five hundred percent efficient. So they're really you know that is good because it suddenly makes them comparable with gas in terms of your heating bills. Well, my recommendation would be to to look at it if you're doing a whole house approach. So if you're doing a wider retrofit project, so i.e. you're building an extension or loft and you're doing lots of other refurbishment on an existing house. Obviously, if it's a new house, then it definitely comes into the equation. Because it sort of gets absorbed in the whole build cost. But if, but if you had a new house, right, I'm going to throw these questions at you now. So would you? I mean, if you've got a limited budget, presumably you look past a ground source heat pump. You'd insulate the hell out of it, ideally, um, and you'd use a different form of heating. Would you? Or would you? Um, it depends. Depends. Because budget. depends on depends on how you choose to build a house. So uh, if you build a house out of timber or sips or you know. Doing in a building in a traditional way out of brick is is probably the most expensive. But then if you can say compromise on the type of materials you use, not compromise. So that's not the right word. If you get more sort of uh, cost effective materials mm-hmm. um, that are that have hit the, the the building market over the last ten years or so, then you can kind of do lots more with the heating source and what you do inside. I suppose. Yeah. So I'm I'm not I wouldn't be too fussed about it being a a masonry property. I'll just um, I'll look at the whole budget and then see what sort of works for me. But, you know, if, if I if I had the choice, I'd probably do a ground source heat pump because if you're doing the foundations and stuff, you're going to be doing lots of digging. Yeah. So, But if you had access to gas? Uh, tricky one. I'd, I'd probably still do it just because I'm, you know... I, you do what you do. I've been involved, yeah, in, in, in yeah. sort of the green sector for so many years. So yeah. for me, it would be quite a, a nice thing to have. Yeah, and they, they are um, relatively... Uh, they, I mean, they don't really go wrong. I'm trying to look for the word. I just have a complete mind blank there. But they... they in terms of moving parts... There's, there's, there's not a huge amount going there on. There isn't a combustion process like a exactly. gas. Like fuel comes in and it can be lots yeah, of things. So, that, so they do... They last there. and they are... Yeah, they're, they're, they are pretty good. Um, so, so basically, if you're... If you, this is, that's covered it really. Mm-hmm. That are, they, they are all the types of electric heating you can really go for. 
Um, I'm sure we will have comments from people who've well, got new and different types of heating. Briefly go on a list and talk about EPC ratings, so energy performance certificate. So what I would say is if it's a fan or, or heater or a non-permanent heater, then you don't get much credit on your EPC score. It's rubbish. It's gen- we have gone into properties where they have replaced fan heaters with new fan heaters because they've been told these are the best things since sliced bread and they do nothing for an energy rating. So if you are a landlord or, well, a landlord mainly trying to rent out the property and you have electric heaters in the house at the moment, don't just go and look for kind of eco-electric heaters because you will get no credit on your EPC at all. Because you need to, ultimately you need to hit an E and um, the heating element is quite a, a big element towards a, an EPC score, along with the envelope as well. So yeah. just, just be careful. Infrared is, is, a, is quite an interesting one because although it is one of the technologies that, that were in the government's review a few, few years ago in terms of a, a credible electric source, I think just because SAP um, works things out slightly differently to, to, to infrared because infrared is um, it's not kind of a, um, a traditional way of heating, heating being delivered, yeah. essentially. Uh, it was quite difficult for them to give it the, the SAP rating, so I'm not sure whether that one day will be added onto the SAP tables. But at the moment, it's not. So again, you don't get any credit for it on the so EPC. I think that really where you're coming to here is the ones that the government love are new fan-assisted storage heaters, but make sure they are on the government's approved list. Um, call uh, Ofgem, I guess, to make sure they, they're going to be picked up because there's no point spending 700 quid on something that isn't going to do anything for your house. All right, so you can work with your EPC assessor as well because they've got uh, tables in, in the software. Some EPC assessors. We can put a link at the bottom. We, we, the, yeah, uh, some, some EPC assessors are better than others. Um, and then heat pumps, obviously, because they're, they're renewables. Yeah. You, you see a massive spike. Um, but cost-wise, if you're looking for something really flexible, you just go for a fan heater if it's going to be on for 20 minutes a day. Um, infrared heaters, we, we like. They work really well. They're quite neat. They look smart. You don't get credit on your EPC if it's your own home and you don't need an EPC for it. Apart from when you come to sell it, then no issues. But if you're looking at renting it out, you don't get credit for the infrared yet, but I think it will come in in time. Storage heaters, if you have the old storage heaters and you're swapping them out for new storage heaters, no problem. Just make sure they're on the recommended list. If you're taking storage heaters out and you're going to a different form of heating, make sure you move off economy seven. Because otherwise you will get penalised in a big way. You will be paying a lot more for your bills. Um, and then the heat pumps, if, if you've got lots of money, basically. And I'd say bad, bad idea to rip out existing gas uh, for fan heaters. Yeah, I think if you've got gas in your property, put in a central heating system. It might cost you more up front, but over time it'll pay back in spades. Mm-hmm. Done? I think so, yeah. Okay, <laughs> right. So, again, you seem a bit down today, all right? No, I'm fine. I'm just, um, you know, I'm anxious about the, the, the you know, the, the fun story at the end. Right, okay. I'm excited about you delivering that. It might not be exciting to everyone, it's exciting to me. Um, so, NG News this week, go. Uh, well, there was, there was a lot about um, LED lights and how um, more uptake, which we're seeing yeah. on a day as prices are coming down as well. So, a few years ago, in terms of LED lights, uh, it was very expensive. The bulbs were... So when we first looking at what thirteen quid a bulb, fourteen quid a bulb, even more than that, was, was it? Twenty five, thirty pounds. Yeah, but now obviously you can go to a good hardware store, etc., and can 
find them for pound fifty, two pounds. Yeah. Um, I'm not sure whether they will all last as long as you know what they say on the packaging, but certainly, you know, when you have them installed, they are a lot better than the old halogen spotlights. For instance, you know, if that's the yeah, great, yeah. place when you go, and through. then people typically have those in their kitchens. Exactly. The only the only thing, well, I think people are now um, getting it in terms of the different types of lights that they get. So you know, I think previously when they first came out, they were really bright. I think just because people yeah. didn't understand understand color temperature. But yeah, you can get warm ones for your living rooms and bedrooms and stuff like that, and a bit brighter ones for bathrooms and kitchens. And, and, and I think the other thing is every bulb now is available in an LED variety. Uh, when it first came out, there weren't that many types of LED. Whereas because they've just become so big and so popular, all the manufacturers have made sure that you can get a, a sort of a replica LED bulb for every type, which makes things easier. And I think in terms of, if you look at domestic, between domestic and business, where I think businesses have um, massively up to, uptaken the adoption of LED as a, as a standard for, mm-hmm. for their office heating. And that's because obviously offices, uh, you tend to use lights even in the summer and winter. Uh, so they tend to use a lot of energy. Um, well, the government gives us credit, but um, I, th- I think, well, since 2005, what, uh, 95 Terawatt hours have been saved. So, so that was from the carbon brief this week. Yeah. So we give them a bit of credit. But they, they've worked out, yeah, since 2005, which is plenty. I so mean, that is a, a huge amount of energy. I don't know how to quantify that quite in terms of... It's a lot. It's a lot. How many days worth, but yeah. Um, uh... Yeah, and I think the... So someone was saying the other day, we were, we were chatting in the office and we got this email through, and this fellow was saying the government really should should lead the charge on this and basically go around every property and essentially enforce them to install LED bulbs. Because there were loads of people who were stockpiling their old types of bulbs. As people do. (laughs) Exactly. Um, But... The chicken sheds. Actually, this... I mean, I I sort of went through this thing very quickly, but this fella's maths and stuff, it it all looked pretty promising. Mm -hmm. Um, And maybe it is something the government should look at, as opposed to price caps, as we discussed last week. Um, Although I know you like a price cap. Okay, so so that's good, right? So, and I think yeah, there's there's scope for for much more adoption. I mean, we look at in our office, uh, we could you know, although we've we've started the the process, we could certainly do a bit more on the on the LED. Front. Well, we've got some new lights in here, and I, I can barely see because they're so bright. But I don't know they're LED because they are really hot. Halogen bulbs got banned. Manufacturer got banned by the EU last year. Yeah, well, these are obviously bought before then because I am absolutely stewing here. Um, so the next ones will have to be LED. Yes, next ones will be LED. We should leave the charge on that, obviously. Yeah. Um, right, and then... What's so the bad news? So bad news, so bad news. Wind turbines. Loads of people don't like a wind turbine. I think future generations will come to accept them and it won't be an issue. They will just be part and parcel of living in the country. You'll see a wind turbine. I'm fine with them because I don't have any near my house. However... Um, because they make electricity at such peculiar times, uh, the government are paying individuals not to turn on, well, not to allow their wind turbines to switch. So right, these enormous wind turbines, you can change the blade orientation. Mm-hmm. And so even in the heaviest winds, they won't spin because the wind will just come through them. So they are paying people to turn their wind turbines off, essentially. And this cost us, the UK, £135 million. £125 million. £125 million in 2018. Yes. The majority, where was it? Scotland. Of course it was. (laughs) Sorry. (laughs) Um, So the majority was in Scotland. Um, That's because 
the majority of wind turbines. They have plenty of wind turbines up there. It's not a wind. Um, but it's uh, it just seems a massive shame that that we and it is because we're subsidy driven. It's always going to be the case. But it seems a shame that you have something that can produce electricity and it's not running, and we have to pay someone to not produce electricity. Um, because surely we could sell that electricity through to other countries and, and do all sorts, or even store the electricity in, in we'll talk about energy storage in a, in a future episode, but there are definitely ways we could use that electricity. So it just seems a bit miserable, to be honest. I think, yeah. I think we're better than that. Anyway, right, finally, Nick, here we go. Drum roll. Don't worry, please. So, fun news. Go. Good. I don't know if this is fun, but this is good news. This is hard yeah, news. Yeah, I, I, I saw that. Um, actually, I wanted to cover it last week. Um, uh, there's a, there was a fella in um, uh, in Peru, uh, over in South America, so a PhD student, and he found a quite a nifty way uh, about doing something for his local climate, ecosystem, etc. So he discovered this... Um, uh, well, he invented this nano powder, essentially. So the problem is... Um, the lake where he grew up was fishing when he was younger, etc., was all nice and beautiful, and you know, there's lots of fish and stuff like that. But over time, chemicals and various other things, contaminants, got into the lake and became, basically became unusable. So um, he came up with a nifty idea where you know he uses this powder. Essentially, you put it into water, mm-hmm. and then what it does is it takes all of the um, pollutants, pollutants, yeah, sucks them up and brings them up to the surface and then they just go around and and clean them off essentially. And he's done such a great job uh, that um, now I think it took him a few weeks uh, Mm -hmm. for this local lake in Peru, uh, cleaned it up completely and now the lake is usable again, it's used for leisure. And I've actually seen the video of the before and after and if you can go and have a look at this online, um, you should, uh, you definitely should. Morikawa, PhD. Uh, How do you spell the surname? M-O-R-I-K-A-W-A. Okay. So go and look this car because it is very, very cool. I mean, this lake is a mess and then it becomes... Was a mess, yeah. Yeah, and then it looks really good now. And his aim is to go to the biggest lake in Peru and repeat the project. The issue... We can put the link on what the biggest lake in Peru is. We were, I don't know that. Um, the, uh, the issue is that it's incredibly expensive um, and it's difficult to do. But the good news is it's doable. Right, yes. and when we see all these videos of all the plastics and stuff in rivers but and seas, it's and a massive number. I, I think the rivers and lakes thing got overlooked. I was going to say. So um, Harry just said, forty percent of um, Earth's lakes and rivers are contaminated. They've got some form of contamination, which is a staggering number. It is. It's massive, isn't it? Yeah. And and we don't really do a huge amount on recycling on, on kind of what we cover. Um, but I think it is a massive thing, and I think these these sort of I'm going to use the term eco warrior, but I, I I actually. You know, I think they're doing really good stuff, and this is quite a heartwarming thing. And, and you know, he's taken his local local lake, made it really nice again. And I think you know he's uh, and and you know if he, if he can commercialise it and obviously make it into a, a point where you know he his you know if it's his business or whatever, where it's non profitable or whatever, but you know he can scale it up and it works from a funding and delivery point of view, then all all good for him. So that's yeah, uh, that's great. Good stuff. Right, so, well, that's, uh, so that's that. Very good. Well, that's a heartwarming story to finish. Ends on a positive from that wind turbine story. Exactly. That may be really depressing. Yeah, anyway. Um, anyway, guys, so we so this podcast is now available on various different mediums. You're extremely happy with that. I'm really happy with that. Uh, so Including can, Spotify, which is Spotify, one of my favourite. iTunes. Uh, Tune in. So, don't know what that is. Um, there's Stitcher. A, who, Stitcher. 
Stitcher. Again, you can see we maybe maybe not have heard of all these things, but um, so if you want to listen to our dulcet tones on the way to work or whatever, um, you can uh, you can go and download them. We we will. Uh, there's links all over our website. So if you go to www.thegreenage.co.uk, you'll be able to subscribe to our podcast, and you you will be able to hear Nick and I talk and ramble on and talk rubbish generally. And Harry will make these uh, so links in terms of the technologies we talked about. So what's halogen heater infrared all that stuff so that will be made available in the comments below including um, uh, stuff that came out in the news and, and obviously this hot warming story at the end so, yeah. yeah we need to give them a bit of a bit of a spotlight I think yes <clears throat> anyway guys that's it for another for another episode so so thank you very much for listening and uh, we will speak to you I guess because oh, I was going to say because this is obviously on video but we're now we're a podcast we'll see people soon. we will speak to them soon Thank you.